Welcome to the C2C Podcast. I am your host, Derek Anderson. After holding my first event in 2010, I went on to create Startup Grind, a 400-chapter community based in over 100 countries. Along the way, I discovered the greatest marketing tool of all time, your customers. Yet, I couldn't find anyone sharing how to build a community where people could experience your brand in person or at scale. On this show, we talk with the brightest minds and companies on the planet about how to build customer-to-customer marketing strategies and create in-person experiences for your brand and customers before your competitor does. I'm excited to have our next guest, John O'Bacon, who's one of the most notable figures in the community space. He's helped some of the tech world's biggest brands like IBM, Intel, SAP, Mozilla, and others build their communities. He also wrote the book, The Art of the Community, and contributed an essay to Developer Advocate and recently published People Powered, How Communities Can Supercharge Your Business, Brand, and Teams by HarperCollins. We're going to cover community models, why C2C marketing is important in 2020, governing open source communities, and much more. Take a listen. For the few people listening to this podcast who don't know you, tell us who you are and what you do in the community space. I've been incredibly passionate about community since I discovered it in 1998 when I first got into open source technology. And since then, I led community strategy for Canonical for the Ubuntu project uh, at XPRIZE, which is like a large incentive competition organization. Pretty crazy <laughs> place to work and GitHub as well. And these days I'm a consultant. I work with a, a pretty broad range of organizations in how they build communities, whether it's in technology, security, consumer products, whether it's building internal communities and organizations to break silos down and things like that. And I, I like to write a lot about communities. I've written a couple of books and have a conference and this, that, and the other. How different are communities when you move inside of different verticals? Like what percent of overlap do you see inside of a business community versus a health community or versus a consumer community? Yeah, I think there's three pieces to this. I think there is a psychological undercurrent that flows through all of them because, you know, fundamentally we're social creatures and your a community is like software that runs on the hardware that is someone's brain, right? And those psychological patterns happen largely everywhere. And the other thing is, I think there's consistencies in, from what I've discovered over the years, of just how you go about putting a strategy together. So making sure that you define your audience and your personas and you build out a set of objectives and you convert it into tactics and you incentivize people. So I think those pieces tend to be fairly consistent. Where I think it differs is in what tools, technology, infrastructure you tend to use, but also how you build the culture depending on the audience that you're building. So for example, a culture of security researchers is very different to a culture of um, people who are you know, office workers. And that's where I think you tune the specifics of it to the individual audience that you're targeting. Yeah, that's really interesting. Can you talk a little more about the culture side of things? Like obviously your values, the values of your organization, you may have additional values for your community itself. Obviously the people that are involved, uh, and who you pick to be in that community or who you allow to be in that community. What, what other things affect the culture for better or worse? And what things do people need to think about as they're sort of determining? Let, let's say like if I'm just starting out a community, like what pieces of the culture do I need to make sure that I get right? I think there's a few things and culture is tricky because, you know, culture is basically a set of norms that the group has decided is normal. 
and that tend to be taken on by new members of the group. So some cultural elements you can you can influence, but you can't necessarily guarantee. I think one of the first things I would start with is what are the expectations that you have of participation in the social grouping? You know, we see a lot of this, for example, with codes of conduct at events and online. But not just that, but you know, what are the principles and the values that you want inside of that specific community? You know, one of the things I often work with with organizations is putting together what I call a community promise, which is, you know, we will always work collaboratively. We will we will try to make sure that our community is in a multitude of different languages and those different types of core principles that most people would agree on. But I think another element to this, frankly, is is leadership because human beings tend to mimic their leaders. So making sure that you have the right cultural norms in terms of effective leadership and how that weaves into the transparency and the openness of the community. So if you basically say, here are a clear set of cultural expectations and um, ideals that we want to uh, adhere to, your leadership is there to facilitate collaborative, you know, effective community development along those guardrails. And then the way in which you kind of build your community is you weave the middle ground between those two points. In your book, People Powered, you talk about three community models that all communities are based on. I wonder if you could just share a little bit about about those and, and how communities should pick one. When I look at all communities, I think they can all sit into basically three models, as you as you mentioned, Derek. One is consumers. These are people who get together because they're excited about spending time together. It's Star Trek fans, Taylor Swift fans. It's people who share a common interest in a product, uh, usually on a forum or in a channel. The second is champion. This is where community members go a step further and they generate content such as blogging or videos or they... Uh, provide support or they perform translations or they organize events and they go the extra mile to kind of add value to the community and it kind of gets added to a stockpile. And then the third is what I call collaborator communities. And this is people who work together on building something collaboratively. Now, this subdivides into really two types. I call it inner and outer. So inner collaboration communities are people who work in exactly the same thing as part of the same team. A good example of that is open source projects. But the outer is when people build technology, for example, that sits on top of another platform. So that could be, you know, people building plugins for WordPress, or it could be people building apps for the Google App Store or the Apple App Store. And the nuances in across all of those three models, and even between the inner and outer and the the third one, uh, are distinctive in terms of, you know, again, the culture and the platforms and the tools that you tend to use. The way in which I think you pick one in my mind is you got to sit down, I think, and first of all, start with the value you want to you want to generate. Like I talk about this at the beginning of People Powered. What do you want your audience to get out of this, right? So for example, if you say, we just want our customers to spend time with each other, then that's probably going to be probably more of a, uh, of a, of a consumer model. But if you want your audience to provide support to each other, like you talk a lot about, you know, customer to customer support and, and marketing, then I think a champion model would make a lot of sense there. So I think you look at the value you want to generate. What's critical in my mind is you've got to start with the value that your audience wants. A lot of companies start with the value that they want to generate from the company. And if you do that, you can often kind of uh, take a few misses and build a community that's not very interesting for people to join. How do you think about creating clear community goals that tie back in to business metrics? You work with all these big companies that are trying to figure this out. Like, How do you coach people on how to tie those two things together? So a lot of it in my mind is about effective planning. 
and making sure that when you get down to the task, the individual thing that you work on, there is a genealogy to the value that you're producing. So what I always recommend, and again, this is something I cover in People Powered, is when you have a sense of the value you want to produce, you first of all decide on the audiences that you want to target. So do you want you know, which of those three models do you want? And then what do you want your audience members to do? Do you want them to chat to each other, provide support, generate content, for example? Then what we do is we create what I call a, a set of big rocks. And these are basically a set of five to seven annual objectives that maybe map for a year that outline, okay, what are we going to deliver and how are we going to measure it? And this is usually a relatively concise document. Um, and I've, I have like a template that I use for this that I share uh, on the website. But what it does is it provides an opportunity for everybody who's involved in the process to feed into that strategic view. Because one of the things I've learned over the years is if, let's say, a director of a community or director of marketing just makes this plan in a vacuum, it will not catch on. People have to have their skin in the game. They've got to see their reflection in your plan. So producing you know, your set of objectives, your, your big rocks, and having people feed into that so they can see their reflection in there is important. And then what I like to do is to convert that down into a set of tactics. So, okay, we want to do this one big rock, such as an events program. How do we then break that down into all the individual bits of work that we need to do? And then we assign owners and those people who are involved and we track that work. And what that does is that then means that you do have that genealogy from the individual tactic right up to the value. So you never lose the view of what you're actually trying to accomplish. Historically, this sort of community industry has been centered around uh, online communities and more in the last few years, you know, companies like Salesforce and Google and uh, and others have have really taken this huge lead uh, as they've launched these C2C programs, holding in-person events. I mean, why do you think that shift has been happening, and and what makes it important in, in 2020 as as things keep changing? I think one of the drivers here, and this is something I've been on a bit of a tear about talking to uh, journalists about, is with seeing, I think, a shift in the relationship between consumers and brands. So if you look at years ago, you go and buy a product, and how do you engage with a company? Probably through their customer support phone number, or if they have an email address back in the day. Then as the internet grew, people started realizing they could market to their customers. So they started sending out newsletters and coupons in the mail and things like that. And I think, you know, 85% of millennials uh, have got a smartphone. We have 6 billion mobile devices out there. 3 billion of them are, are used for social media. You know, the, the cost of a, a gigabyte of data in India is significantly cheaper than it is in the US and Europe. So we're seeing enormous technological growth and participation. And I think what that does is it provides an opportunity for companies to build a relationship. I think consumers don't want just to be marketed at. They want to connect with other consumers as well. So when you see the examples like Salesforce and Oracle, SAP, Harley-Davidson, Procter & Gamble, Sephora, they're all examples of where the relationship between the, the consumer and the brand is adjusting. And I think that's why we're seeing these kinds of new communities forming. Open source communities are super popular. And you've mentioned before that having a community manager and support from the company is really important. Why do you see that? Well, I think like any part of a business, you need someone who's accountable for its success in the same way that you have a head of marketing and a head of engineering, a, you know, a head of office. You know, The critical thing in my mind is, and the critical mistake that a lot of people make is if you set that person up like an ambassador, so everybody has to channel their interaction with the community through that person, either they have to or they just naturally do, that's a big mistake. 
to me, that person should be building an interface between the company and the community. You know, because community members don't just want to talk to one person. They want to talk to the people who are building the technology or the people who are running the company. So to me, the community manager is a really critical function in building those bridges so everybody can connect to everybody. So you've written People Powered, available on Amazon.com. <laughs> uh, Prime, by the way. You get it tomorrow. Uh, but you've also written an article recently in the Harvard Business Review called When Community Becomes Your Competitive Advantage that I highly recommend also reading. Why do you think community has sort of become the new moat for software companies? So before I get to that, I, I, I want to I emphasize that I co-wrote that with, uh, with my good friend, Jeff Busgang from Flybridge Ventures as well. He made that article really good as well. So <laughs> I don't want to get all the credit. We prefer your contribution to it, but you know, Jeff, Jeff's fine. We like Jeff too. I like you. So... I think, again, it gets back to that relationship between brand and consumer is one piece. But I think that, frankly, the world is just the community industry is becoming more addressable. You know, I mean, a good example of this is tools like Bevy, you know, and Discourse and Chorus and all of these different platforms making it easier for people to be able to to put something in place and to be able to build a community. I think a lot of it, a lot of people historically saw this as a bit of a black art that you didn't really know how to get started with. And these platforms are making it easier. But the other thing as well is it was interesting writing that HBR piece because I had a lot of people reaching out who were saying, this is mind blowing. Like this is how the world should operate. And I think for a lot of us in the community space, we've seen the value of this for many, many years, but it hasn't necessarily transitioned into other markets, into other areas. And that's one of my main goals here as well, is that we've actually learned a lot of lessons in how to do this well. You know, it's not just me, it's tons of people out there who've been working in this professionally. So I think it provides an opportunity for, for, for competition. It's an opportunity for brand growth. A lot of businesses have, you know, they can lower their support burden. They can increase their footprint in the world. And especially for smaller organizations trying to break into a market, there's so many examples of people who've built communities that have had a massive resonant effect and, and unseated the giants because of their ecosystem. Yeah, it's interesting because I think community, as you said eloquently, you know, is like this dark art. You know, nobody could really understand how it worked, but when it worked, it was really special. And I think for us, you know, it's startup grind. And I think a lot of community people, they just kind of did it because it felt like the right thing to do. And, um, you know, ROI, you know, not important. Uh, just, I'll just do it because I, I know it's good for the world. I know it's good for our customers. And, uh, and that seems to be really changing. And it seems to me, as you're saying, you've said in all of your writings as well. I mean, it, it seems very clear to me that the community industry in 2022 and 2023 it's going to be significantly bigger and significantly more important than it is today and than it, definitely than it was five years ago. Um, these things are moving very fast and you know people are waking up very, very quickly to what's going on. And this is how sort of industries get built, right? Like people don't see it and they're, it's not totally obvious. And then you know, you look ahead a few years, it's like, oh my gosh, it was totally obvious. Like that's what people say to us now. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, you built the software tool. Like you, you're like, it was so smart. You built it five years ago because now everyone's talking about it. It's like, we had no idea people were going to talk about it. It's just, we, we needed it. So, it's, <laughs> off you, go. you know, it's more off you go. Yeah. But I think what you're, what you're saying, which is, and what you're helping do with people power is it's, you're 
creating these frameworks and these models and this way for people to just jump in and to learn from the experience and to really, you know, put math and science to something that's been, you know, totally even just hard to describe. Yeah. No, I mean, you, you really hit the nail on the head. I mean, I don't think that we're going to see this. We, I think we're going through a renaissance in community right now. You know, we're seeing, we're seeing things getting written down and norms and best practices being forged. And that's something that we all play a role in. That's not something that one person or a small number of people play a role in. My goal is I want to create an ecosystem of ecosystems. You know, I think it's important that we have platform companies competing with each other to build great community platforms. I think it's important that VCs can understand the value of this. Uh, I think it's important that that people can can understand this in in a digestible form. Like my old boss at XPRIZE, Peter Diamandis, once said to me, it's not about having all the answers, it's about packaging up the right answers into a format that people can understand. And that was my goal with People Powered is that, you know, I wrote this book a while back called The Art of Community, which has been through two editions. It's 600 pages. It's incredibly dense. Most founders are just not going to read all of that stuff. Like community management nerds are going to read it and they'll love it because it's really detailed. I hope they'll love it. <laughs> but um, People Powered was really intended to, one, walk through the value proposition of all of this stuff in a easy, plain level of language, two, provide a framework in which to approach it, and three, talk through how you actually build it into a business. Um, and I hope that this is just going to be the beginning of a number of different books that can kind of continue to, like you said, put the, the math and the science to it. All right. As we wrap up, tell us about a community that you love and why you love it. Oof. Good question. Well, there's two that I think I'm, in, I'm increasingly fond of. One is called Hit Record. This is uh, driven by Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who I had the good fortune to meet at a conference once, the actor. And what I love about this is not just the fact that he's involved, but it's it brings together over 750,000 artists. And what they do is they work together collaboratively on creative projects, right? So somebody can create the music for a video, someone can do the green screen shooting, someone make the artwork, uh, someone will write the script. And many of these productions have been showcased at Sundance. It's phenomenal. And again, it's just a new way of, like a community in my mind is a network of minds, talent and expertise that gets weaved together to create awesome stuff. And they've done that really well with um, Hit Record. But the other one is called Fractal Audio Systems because I'm a musician and I love playing metal. <laughs> and they've created a community of people who, who use this product called the AxeFX, which is a really com complicated bit of guitar kit. Um, but they've got an incredible community that gets together and they create documentation and videos and they help each other out and they play gigs with each other. So I just love it. When you see this working, it's just, it, it's like, it's a deeply satisfying kind of sensation to see it happening. So that's awesome. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please leave a review wherever you listen to this. If you'd like to see more about how to create your own event community, go to bevylabs.com slash pod. That's B-E-V-Y-L-A-B-S dot com slash pod.